Welcome to Let's Talk ID. Today we have Greg Mayer on. He is a member of the DIA as well as a long-standing industrial designer in the Brisbane area. He has worked with many companies to help boost industrial design in Brisbane and help bring design to more people within Australia. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and if you're interested in checking out the DIA, I'll leave a link to the website in the description and also at the end of the video. Enjoy. The DIA is set up to advocate for designers such as yourself. So... Um, Design Institute of Australia has a long history back to the 1930s um, and it, it comprises of interior designers, graphic designers, industrial designers um, and photography, I think, and fashion we're starting to pick up as what well. we're trying to get fashion involved. Um, so we're sort of very cross-functional across design. That's what a lot of design consultancies are these days in bigger practices. Um, so what we're looking for is efficacy. So people that are employing you, uh, treating you correctly, paying you the right amount of money. Um, you, you know, you're not designing for free. Um, you are respected. Normally, uh, to, to become a member, you'd have to have a three to four year degree under your belt and some experience. But we take student membership and then uh, practice membership if it's a big practice a big studio like you get down south there might be multiple people that can join as a corporate entity um and we encourage uh collaboration and uh you know people to get together a bit like this forum here so i mean you could be a future intent <laughs> dia <laughs> counselor if you want it because this is very good and this is this is in line with you know what what we try and promote. So yeah, well the the podcast pretty much came around. I was talking to a couple of my colleagues and they we were talking about how how do you get experience when you have no experience? And I thought, why don't I just interview people that have more experience than me? So yeah, that's good. That was that was the and, plan. And, so who have you talked to so far? Uh, you're the second podcast. I was meant to have someone else on today, and I'll probably have them on tomorrow. Um, yep. But the first podcast was, was just the people, like a few of my graduate friends, and we just yep. discussed basically. The nature of um, uni life and positives and negatives and you know things we wish we learned in the beginning kind of a podcast for younger people um but yeah you're my first professional <laughs> podcast member so there you go all right just so do you want me to give you a bit of background well yeah I, I, my first question was actually you want to give me a summary of the dia but you didn't even have to ask it and you were ready to go so yeah <laughs> um well maybe if you could just talk what what kind of um projects does the dia do Specifically. Oh, well, the, the DIA is the Design Institute of Australia. So they don't typically do any projects. What we do is we facilitate, um, uh, you know, all the things in the back of house. So like we can facilitate with uh, practice notes for, for young people starting their own practices. Uh, we do um, like um, CPD, um, uh, training which is continued professional development so you as a professional when you graduate you don't just stop there you have to sort of keep learning new technologies and softwares and ways of doing things you know what I mean so we encourage that we also offer um like insurance like professional indemnity insurance those sorts of things we can link you with that um and advocacy which i talked about before with looking after the designer um Essentially, it's a club, so mm. we like to cross-pollinate with different projects and throughout Australia with different um, things that are occurring. The big 
um, event that's going to occur nationally is the is the Brisbane Olympics, eh? In mm. 2032. So everybody's pretty excited about that. So there's a lot of things sort of in the wings that we're trying to coordinate. Yeah. Um, from across all the disciplines of design. Um, we've just updated a website so that way you can find designers too in your area. So when companies go looking for consultants, those sorts of people can sort of, you know, interrogate it. It's not fully finished yet. And then there's, of course, there's the events that we organise. You've been to a few of our events, so I hope. Uh, no, <laughs> not, not yet. Well, get, COVID sort of upset that a little bit. Yeah. So um, we're aiming to sort of push for um, like little get togethers in local pubs like we used to pre-COVID so that you can sort of talk to yeah, other folks like myself and mm. you know, just have a chat. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll, yeah. I'll lead you through the website a bit later, but yeah. th th that's a part-time job. I, I do that for free yeah. out of my own kind. Um, and other designers have, have done that in the past. Um, so uh, we've, we've got representatives from um, education, so it could be from Griffith University, QT, all the other universities down south. You'll have um, uh, academics involved, you'll have studio owners involved, um, you have students involved, and then um, sort of specialists involved as well. So they could be anything from a, a, um, a materials um, supplier, or uh, you know some of our sponsors sort of get involved from a CPD perspective, teaching things about colour and what have you, not not pushing their products specifically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But outside of that, I um, consult, as you know, so I have yeah. have my own consultancy. I run that part time now. I was running that full time. Um, up until recently, I'm working for the Prodex Group now, which is um, New Product Development Governance. So I'm working with Gerard Ryan. He's the principal and the owner in Caxton Street. Um, he's an industrial designer as well. And there's Stuart, who's an industrial designer, but we couple with um, solution architects in providing software after consulting, if, if applicable, um, for implementing over the top of large manufacturers, larger manufacturers left in Australia of scale are typically food or packaging mm. because a lot of the car industries moved back offshore again and it just enables um, the MPD system to be stage gated and managed in a correct way where they're not wasting money, they're getting the best ideas, they're pushing uh, the right products out in their portfolio mix over a three to five year period. So there's a lot of marketing in, involved with it and metrics that we roll up for senior executives like um, CEOs to look at so they can make quick decisions. So okay. it's sort of like a software dashboard. In terms of manufacturing, um, do you see manufacturing in Australia growing in the coming years back to what it was or do you think it will continue offshore? Well, um, with manufacturing in Australia, what you've got to sort of realise is, and you, you, you probably already be aware that um, Australia in its own right is quite a small market mm. so and it's a very competitive market because Australians are very highly educated most of them a lot of them have a lot of experience a lot of them are very um, tech savvy and self-taught if they haven't been to university they're, they're very clever people Australians 
and um, we've got a sort of a, uh, a a make do sort of a culture um, which stems from our past where we've been quite isolated and we've had to run machinery and equipment for long past their use by dates. Mm. I can give you some examples of that um, from a military perspective. You can look at the F-111, for example, that was run for a long, long time, way past its sort of expiry date. A lot of the old sugar mills with the with the, um, the engineers involved there, a lot of those mills are like 150, nearly 200 years old, and they're still sort of implementing slight tech changes and maintenance corrections and things to run old machinery for mm. way past its um, use by date. So we've got a bit of a history there. Um, we're, we're also very clever at um, medical products and medical breakthroughs because um, we have uh, obviously some um, very high standards from a medical perspective um, with interventions and some very clever doctors and surgeons in Australia um, and medicos in general. Um, so what tends to happen is Australians are very clever at picking niche markets where big corporations struggle to pivot quickly. I, I describe big corporations like Ocean Line, whereas Australian corporations tend to be very small and agile and able to move into gaps in the market mm. and, and bring new products to market fairly quickly, yeah. if that makes sense. Yep. So with that in mind, I don't think um, Australian manufacturer of scale will come back like it has been in the past. Yeah. I, I think it'll be more um, uh, of smaller scale manufacture, um, modular type manufacture and contributing to bigger corporations that come and want to work in this environment because it's a very stable economy. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've got a very stable workforce. We've got a high skilled workforce. We've got a very expensive workforce, but in collaboration with the expense of it, we are experts in things like robotics and automation. So we can be very clever when we need to, to supplement that cost. So you get a lot more bang for buck when you're employing Australian, put it that way. <laughs> uh, do you see growth, in, what, what growth do you see in the coming years in industrial design specifically in Australia? Industrial design specifically, well, from my perspective as an industrial designer and my history in it, you need to be able to pivot and, and move around. So I can, you, you can work as a young person, I would encourage it to work directly for manufacturers and for studios, the larger industrial design consultancies in and around the place that are in Sydney and Melbourne typically, and some in, in Adelaide. So you may need to move or you can work remotely, I, I dare say. Um, there are um, there there is an avenue of industrial design, as you know, that's skewed towards user experience, which is more of the digital digital interface and user experience interface, which existed when I was a young fellow, but um, it uh, was more to do with um, interfacing with the product that you were developing. Mm. But the principles of design are still there. Yeah, okay? the way that you work through it. So I would suggest to you that you have more options these days. And given that you guys, a lot of you guys do dual degrees now, back in our day, um, wasn't as common, okay? Um, then it gives you more flexibility to pivot, you know, like 
yourself you've got a marketing degree as well as an industrial design degree so you know like if you get some experience in marketing and then roll into MPD of this there's um examples of that with uh, larger Australian corporations that I work with at the moment in packaging and food um and acoustics acoustic products but I can't name them for you <laughs> um but you know like cutting edge in um microphones mm. and music consoles might be springing to mind who they might be um they that they they typically as they sort of progress up the food chain in the corporate environment they'll they may start in in new product development as industrial designers or they might if you've dual degree do a bit of time in marketing and then it, they might spend some time in sales and then they sort of develop and move into sort of leadership roles so they get more of that cross functionality of what happens from a new product development cycle okay. So yeah, lots of common industrial design, very exciting. Yeah, so I wouldn't sort of think of yourself blinkedly. Yeah. Just think of yourself as an ideator and then think of the processes that you use and build your experience up and, and you find your niche. Mm -hmm. I can tell that you like uh, skateboards in the background. Yeah, right? one of those I designed one of the trucks. See, there you go. That could be yeah. a potential new business for you. Exactly, yeah. So uh, a lot of industrial designers too start their own businesses. Some of um, my cohort, uh, one in particular that springs to mind, James, he, he with, in collaboration with a design consultancy out of Sydney, has developed a um, rapid deployable um, uh, a hospital suite. So that can be sterilised. So you can break that into a, a large, larger sort of regional hospital with bigger spaces and break the spaces down into smaller wards. If you follow what I'm talking about, and um, there's been countless examples of lighting type companies set up. Um, and who knows, skateboards could be your thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, I the good part about design is you get kind of the tools to bring a product to market. Well, at least the the foundation to bring product to market and then gives you that if you ever do think of that product it can all we need is one big product i suppose and then if you have the tools you can get that yeah and then, and that's what from my perspective now and gerard's with the new product development governance is we try and de-risk that for big corporations but there's nothing stopping you from doing a bit of research and reading some books about stage gating mm. Um, and then have a bit of a look at um, you know, uh, new product development sort of textbooks like this one. It's, um, it's done by Wiley out of the States. It's Product Development and Management Association. So just just um, keep learning. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Constantly absorbing information. Yeah. So what, what, what you can do from that is you can reduce the risk of you developing your own product instead of learning from experience, do you know what I mean? Yep. Take some of those um, some of those techniques and things and apply them to your own business. But what I'd suggest to you is if you want to start in business, start early. Yeah, do it young. Because once you start having kids and a mortgage, it becomes less likely that you can free your capital up mm. to do that, you know what I mean? Because yep. you've got commitments. So yep. if you want to experiment with it, Go for gold, go early. <laughs>
in terms of new technologies coming up in the space, which technologies do you think are going to affect industrial design? When, when we think of key technologies, I mean, you can, I don't want to like structure too much. You can, whatever key technologies you're seeing, what do you think is going to reshape industrial design in the future as far as technology? Oh, definitely quantum computing and artificial intelligence. Mm. But that's exciting. That's not mm. something to be frightened of. You, you can use that to your advantage at the moment um, uh, with the, the current offerings. I think it's skewed by um, the amount of people that are trying to use it for one time. There's a bit of an overload on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, I don't think. AI from a small business perspective, you know how I was talking about Australians being niche and be able to pivot and move very quickly. I don't think it's going to affect that market too quickly, particularly in a highly educated um, community like Australia. Mm -hmm. I think it will affect um, manufacturing in and and, and and simple sort of jobs, um, but I think it'll become an affordability issue mm. where um, the AI will be sort of dominated by the bigger corporations that can afford to utilise it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you, you need massive compu um, quantum computers to drive it. So whether they weigh that up with, um, you know, value for money from using people, humans, which mm. would be a good thing to do. <laughs> I don't know. But I suppose you can, you can think the same thing with like robotics currently is like robotics is there, but it hasn't just taken over every job in the market because robotics is so expensive. You need a pretty good use case to implement it. Correct. Yeah, yeah it's all about scale. Um, large scale manufacturing businesses like um, some of the, like the BMW factory in the Midlands and in the UK, for instance, in Coventry there. That's a prime example of it producing all the minis around the world. Yeah, you know, that's a largely robotic factory, state of the art, um, and the quantity and the scales there to punch it through. Um, in Australia, look, you can use robots um, down to, say, a, a local injection moulding company of fairly large scale, say, with, you know, 12 or 20 injection moulding um, uh, machines on the, on the line. Where they're sort of doing the preload and the load out sort of stuff. Um, you could use it in mills for um, uh, lifting heavy lumber and those sorts of things where you're getting a lot of um, back strains and issues from a workplace health and safety perspective. So th there are uses in an, a smaller scale um, manufacturing context that we get in Australia. And SMEs, you know what that stands for, that stands for small and medium enterprises, which is what sort of dominates in Australia, except for all the scale businesses, which is the food and, and, and packaging as per se. Um, yeah. yeah. And the yeah. rest of the stuff tends to be project driven. So don't forget our buddies in engineering. So and and the built environment architecture. So, you know, you can you can contribute most definitely to that. I've been I've designed claddings. I've designed commercial fit out quick fit um, systems in my time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Done a lot of testing on it. So a lot of the uh, code marking and things that are required for architects to be able to specify in um, specifications and complying to the BCA, that's Building Code of Australia regulations. So um, 
Look, industrial design offers you all sorts of exciting adventures. <laughs> the hardest part is to pick where to go, which direction to take. But yeah. I would find something that you're passionate about and that you enjoy doing every day and, and just see if you can push the envelope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. As far as which technologies do you think, we'll, we'll go with um, which skills do you think every designer should learn to be relevant in the coming decade? Well, look, I, I think with the cost mm. of education now in Australia, from our days, we were fortunate we were, everything goes in cycles, right? Everything's fairly cyclic. So oh, oh, I'm not being arrogant about it. I think we were just lucky. My cohort back when we were trained, I think we were lucky enough to, to, to be at the pinnacle of maximum amounts of information, and lots of contact hours like we're doing 40 to 80 hours a week when I was going to university. These days, I don't think you do. I think you get about 20 hours contact a week. Yeah, it's, very, it's very much online these days. Yeah, and it's you, online. You get, you, get the, you get the information and then you do most of your work from home kind of thing. But yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's right. So it's a different different context. I don't know that if that was sort of pushed because of what happened with COVID. Mm. Um, it, 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 look, it'll have to come back. Um, a lot of Australian universities have invested in educating um, overseas students as well. So there's that scale problem. Um, they're not able to bring in as many as before. So that's why I said it might be cyclic where they have to go back to smaller classes and trying to train people to more depth. Um, but what you've got to remember is you have more broad skills than what we had when we came out. So most of you have sort of dual degrees as well. Um, look back when we were going through, you know, I started, I sort of transitioned from TAFE through to, 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 to university. So I, I did architectural drafting back then or, or architectural technology and then moved into, into um, product design because we were in a recession back then where interest rates were at 18%. So there wasn't a lot of building going on. Um, and the Australian dollar wasn't worth very much. It was worth 50 cents to the American dollar. So when, when the Australian dollar is that low, what you find is a lot of big corporations from overseas will use a highly intelligent um, uh, workforce like Australia to do a lot of that work for. So but I, I suppose I was lucky because I was given all these experiences and training. Um, with you guys though, look, the, the world's a lot more of an open place than it was when I was your age. So um, you you're more likely to sort of collaborate and work um, independently, like you've been sort of trained through the university um, for companies that are overseas. So there's those sorts of opportunities. Um, it's definitely easier to, um, to network with people. Um, back in my day, it was more of who you knew and who you targeted. Whereas these days, you know, through LinkedIn, you can, I should say stalk, but yeah. You can, you know what I mean. You can, you can. Force the network almost. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can invent your 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 network, and if you sort of present yourself as a as a um, decent sort of a person like yourself and most of your colleagues, most most people will um, link in with you and, um, and help you out. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's that's business. I suppose that's the good thing about the modern world of where I am at design. 
is like back then working abroad would have been working um what's it called, remotely would have been basically impossible whereas now yeah. it's, some people work completely remotely i still think industrial design probably isn't as easy to work remotely compared to other design disciplines due to the yeah. collaboration and the physical aspect um, but still yeah. definitely getting more possible. When I've, like when I've run um, design studios or worked in design studios or been a team leader in electromechanical days with ASA Abloy, when there was a factory and um, research facility in Rockley, believe it or not, um, it was part of the old Whitco uh, factory, which were the old chain, window chain winders, um, and that was offshore to China. Uh, we encouraged sort of uh, open workspace and a design sort of mindset where everybody sort of collaborates and you tinker with things and you go around and you talk to colleagues and you give each other ideas and you're sort of constantly bouncing off each other. Um, look, uh, that is probably the ideal way to work because it occurs, it can occur more quickly. Mm. But um, working in isolation, you can become a bit siloed. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and a bit stifled. But there are things like, um, you know, what we're doing at the moment is online sort of FaceTiming. Yeah. Um, there are tools around. Um, you've got the immersion tools as well now. The metaverse. Which are, which are pretty incredible. You know, back. Um, when Sam Bookalow was first introducing the QT, um, like it, it cost a fortune. These days, kids have them in their bedrooms. Um, so it's becoming the norm. So, because uh, they've reached the economy of scale, I, I think it's great. But from getting back to your original question about technologies and how they affect or affect Australia in the future, I, I think some advanced manufacturing, you know, like with. Um, rapid prototype technologies and things that I'm seeing at the moment. I think in the future, say 50 years down the track, potentially designers you know, might have sort of niche markets where they design things and customers, wealthy customers, print, print their designs. You know what I mean? You think from before you mentioned a small scale manufacturing uh, being desirable in Australia, like in opposed to large scale manufacturing, do you think it could be small scale kind of modular 3D printing manufacturing could be possible? Absolutely. And um, I was talking to um, the director um, of a RMIT led institution that, that um, specializes in innovation manufacture yesterday um, about uh, that and the potential with the new electrified vehicle market. Mm. So, because um, from a, a petroleum-based motor system, you know, you've got to have a chassis designed gearbox to transmit the energy to the back of both wheels. With electric motors, you tend to drive each wheel. Do you yep. know what I mean? So um, the, the way in which um, those sorts of vehicles are constructed will be very modular. Um, Savic out of Melbourne yep. is a fantastic company because I noticed you got the little motorcycle in the background there. And I think I mentioned it when I met you uh -huh. at QT, and I'm a massive fan. I haven't ridden one yet, as you know. I'm a old combustion motorcyclist on a Ducati Monster, um, so I'm looking for a replacement. 
um, whether the riding style is a bit different, as I as we talked about with um, throttling, um, tends tends to be a bit more predictable on the yep. combustion, whereas with an electric motor, it's sort of very consistent. Mm. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of torque, so yep. um, especially on two wheels, <laughs> I don't know if that contributes to many um, scooter accidents and things like that. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think there's a lot of potential with product development with with, with that. Um, yeah, and um, I think from a defence perspective, because I've been involved with the Army Reserve for 15 years as a combat medic, um, just to sort of supplement things at home, um, there's a big emphasis through defence to, to um, being able to sovereignly produce their own systems in the mm. defense of Australia. They're not they're not anything but a defense force. So it's just sort of posturing just to put people off doing naughty things and potentially stabilizing areas in the local region that sort of may get out of uh, control from time to time. Mm. So um, there's that. Um, there's the, in Australia too, there's a lot of boat building because we're mm. very good at boat building and we have the perfect climate flying so there's a lot of gliding clubs there's a lot of sailing clubs and motor clubs boat clubs yeah you know it in the sports and recreation but we're famous for developing those sorts of products so and then from a larger scale you know you get your rivieras and those sorts of luxury cruising yachts down the gold coast and up the sunshine coast is done and do it and then rvs you know like rvs um Caravans, you know, with the Jayco's out of Melbourne, they're a, I, I've neglected to mention Jayco because they're a scale manufacturer, so that's naughty of me. Um, yeah, those those sorts of industries are niche industries for Australia that does typically do very well. We're also renowned for our construction know-how, so a lot of us big Australian construction companies do very well overseas. So it's a matter of leveraging off that with potentially developing products. That can be exported overseas as well, building products. Yeah, I suppose the one downside with 3D printing is the is the speed limitation, so limit scale. But I mean, as you're saying, if we focus on more the niche markets, you don't really need the scale isn't an issue as much. You know, yeah. especially for a luxurious product, it might be better just to 3D print it at, at a low scale. Yeah, hundred mm. yeah, percent. Um, whether you can get to that size in the future, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I have I have seen some concrete rapid prototype buildings out of Germany and in Europe, which sort of blow my mind, <laughs> which yeah. are pretty cool. Um, whether you could do that with techniques for boat building, probably. probably. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of certificates that you can do and degrees in um, robotics and IA, um, which I'd encourage people to have, have a bit of a look at if they're you know, starting out, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. But if that's your slant, if it's not, then it's more sales and marketing. Sales and marketing, it is. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you need in a in a design team typically you need characters with different strengths and weaknesses. Um, you're not all going to be fantastic stylists. Some of you might be really good at you know putting um, uh, you know manufacturing techniques into place or snap bits or um you know being really clever how you how you mount pcbs and whatever you know what i mean yeah so or packaging you might specialize in or color 
Yeah, I've recently been looking to upskill into UX as well. Yeah. I think that is something that if we already, as you were saying, we already learned the fundamentals in industrial design. And yep. if you learn the you know, little bit of extra for UX as well as the programs you need, I feel like it can be a useful addition because then you're not only designing the product, you're designing an app or a website to go with the product and or a successful interface. Because I feel like so many products you get, the product's designed very well, but then the associated app or whatever is just really badly designed. So yeah. sometimes it needs to go both ways. Yeah, yeah it's about the full experience. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I've neglected, I've, I, well, from a rapid prototype perspective, I suppose I'm talking about small consumer products mm. okay um from a systems perspective have a think about systems mm. you know what i mean so like you can get involved with with systems design yeah, systems design. Really interesting. Mm. yeah and i suppose from my perspective it it was the, the most experience i've had with that was um i suppose with cladding systems being able to fit different building types, mm. not for weather tightness and you know um, thermal efficiency, being fireproof, although easy to put up, so it doesn't take too much time to put up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because labour is a big thing in Australia, so it's about being able to put it quickly up, being quickly able to be manufactured, so you're be able to throughput it through the factories mm -hmm. and facilities locally. Um, and then raw material as you bring it up, it's the availability of raw material. So you've got to you've got to think um, from supply right through to end user warranties when you're doing cycle testing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but you that that's all the excitement of what's coming ahead. But you guys, I feel like from a sustainability perspective as well, getting into system design is really good because like, a lot of time a product solution maybe not maybe might not be the best improvement for a system whereas yeah. system design can really improve the overall system's efficiency so yeah 100 percent. so you're thinking of now when the product enters the waste stream mm. so with a lot of products that are made in asia these days um they're designed to be replaced like fashion items like yeah. back back in my day fashion is still the same it's sort of you buy it you use it you threw it out you know what i mean or, or you gave it away sort of thing um gone with the days of repairing clothes although i do <laughs> badly but that's just me um but with older vehicles in australia there was uh there was a culture of um keeping them running like mm. classic style holdens and classic yeah, yeah like your drift cars your nissans you races as well Bringing back the old bikes and you know revamping them into the new kind of thing. Yeah, there's, there's a I think there's a industrial design graduate that has his own business in West End that does cafe races. Oh, really? So again, that was his passion. Hmm. That's what he pushed into, um, yeah. and he's making a, a great success from all accounts of it. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Another industrial designer I know of um, got right into uh, CNC, and he was. He specialised in 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 shapes to start with, but he got um, very clever with it and started to design um, components to replace um, within aircraft motors. Mm. Another industrial designer I know was very clever with threads and pitches on screws. Believe it or not, he ended up designing um, nuts and bolts for 
uh, nuclear power rods for nuclear submarines. Well, so you'd be surprised at where industrial design can take you. Just got to find that one little niche, right? <laughs> and you're ready to go. Yeah? <laughs> 100%. But you've got you to be willing to learn. Mm. You've got to be willing to collaborate. And sometimes, you know, um, you, you put in environments where, you know, it's not not sort of conducive. Know when to move on and when know when to stay. Mm. Yep. Like the old Kenny Rogers song. <laughs> uh, in terms of sustainability regulations, do you see it reshaping the industrial design industry in the coming years? Sustainability, absolutely. So from a packaging perspective, at the moment we're working with Australia's biggest packaging companies, and it's all about the uh, 2024 packaging covenant where they're trying to eliminate um, all the plastics out of uh, food packaging, et cetera. So there's quite a bit of um, new product development, MPD, that's having to go on um, and able to do that. So, you know, there's a, there's um, food technologists, there's um, chemical engineers, a lot of chemical engineers in the packaging side. Um, so, and a lot of packaging specialists, like packaging engineers. And then you will get an occasional industrial designer that sort of floats in and out there as well. Um, so, you know, that they produce opportunities, okay? And, and, I would suggest that with the world sort of pushing their standard of living up and there being a lot more expectations about the consumer from the consumer world perspective. So everybody mm. wants clothes, everybody wants consumer products like mobile phones and those sorts of things. As as the uptake pushes on, then we most definitely need to be more conscious of finite resources and an environment because most critically and fundamentally we need clean air, clean food, clean water, and a place to sleep which is quiet. Yeah. So those four things are fundamental to, to help um, in um, not becoming susceptible to poor health. So you've got to be able to exercise as well. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of our uh, work these days in the modern world is sedentary um, yeah. and not physical. So it's about quality of life, style. And I think from an ethical perspective, a lot of industrial designers and designers in general have had that in, in the back of their minds. When they do work for big corporations, um, you know, the CEO might be pushing for product and it's very short-term, you know, short-term two to three year uh, life cycles. Um, in it, it depends on the culture in which the business is derived. I mean, um, a lot of American models are short term companies where they sort of, they don't, with startups, they don't look to intergenerationally. In Europe, they tend to want to have intergenerational businesses that last a long time. Mm. Not to say that, that America doesn't or hasn't done that, like, there's a lot of companies like Ford and that where there's four or five generations of people might have worked for Ford and there might have been two generations or three generations worked for Microsoft now. You know what I mean? Some yeah. of those big companies and Apple probably two generations as well or three, pushing three. Um, I think for the longevity of 
those sorts of corporations, they need to sort of get on board with sustainability. Yeah. So, you know, um, getting rid of single use, um, that they're going to have to get their heads around um, opening products up to being repairable again instead yep. of designing them so that they become defunct or you have to contact the manufacturer to 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 fix things mm. you've got to be able to fix things and yeah. and that's that's really as i mentioned to you when we started that's where australia's niche is like with all the old fords and holdens and whatever that have been around for donkey's years they might be 50 year old 30 year old 50 year old tyrannas fighting around now you know what i mean yeah. Um, you know that that takes some doing to keep a chassis um, uh, um, structurally integral enough to take the force from the motor still, and you know rebuilding the motor. That that takes some doing. It takes a lot of uh, clever people to put that together. I suppose that's from the design perspective as well. We're, like where we're the ones who we, when we create the product, we have to be the ones to advocate for that kind of you know repairability or even just modularity like being able to replace broken parts things like that because as you're saying like currently it's not really really taking into account a lot of especially electronic products it, yeah. i think it's starting to bleed into some products but electronics doesn't really seem to make it much of a change anytime soon so yeah well when, when i deal with asia i'm often appalled by the amount of waste that they're prepared um to 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 release um, in order to get a product out quickly mm. to within the scope of their manufacturing technologies. So yeah. instead of instead of going, oh look, that's too expensive, that's um, not really our forte, they'll take the work, do it, probably pushing their cost up a little bit high to those that aren't aware, but or the naive, but compared to local rates, still still competitive, mm. um, and not sort of going, oh look, we recommend that you use so and so that specialises in this type of manufacture, and that is more capable of producing that particular component. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas in Australia, they probably would more advocate for that kind of thing. Yeah. It used to, used to be a lot more. So mm. I, I don't know so much these days because I'm dealing more with larger corporations mm. um yeah but it, it it used to happen quite a bit you'd get a lot of referrals from other manufacturers this is yeah. a bit off this is a bit off topic but from a it's almost politics in a way but do you think that have you heard of the declining um birth rates in asia and how yeah. it's having an impact on the country do you think that because obviously the the country is very much based on their um population like that's how they're keeping up with the scale that, that all the other countries are demanding do you think that the declining birth rate could have an effect long term on their manufacturing capabilities. Any issue presents an opportunity. Yeah. So it's how you view it. Like if you're if you run scared from problems that you see, might be the lowest risk option. Mm. But if you do some of the things that I sort of mentioned early on, like that you pick up from some of these um, texts and from the stage gating of risk mitigation and risk matrices and things like that you might learn in marketing, it could provide you with um, uh, very profitable opportunities to niche into. Yep. So instead of 
for example, with um, combustible cladding, a lot of businesses sort of went all the oil because they were just importing product. So they didn't have control over the processes. I was fortunate enough to be working with an Australian manufacturer, which is what I've tried to pride myself with doing is working locally with local manufacturers. And that gave us the opportunity to run at the problem. Do you know what I mean? So we were able to try and solve the problem and and make some money from it instead of running away from it. So, yeah. so with an aging population, you can think about all the different products and issues that the healthcare system and the layering of that. So it's talking about systems again. So it'll impact on um, aged care, it'll impact on the health system, um, and then potentially um, food as well, mm. um, production. So think about those things and then sort of mass out, massage out solutions. So, mm. and there's lots of different forums you can get involved with. So there's agricultural forums, there's advanced magic manufacturing forums. Um, the government gets involved with it. But what, what I find with a lot of government entities is they're very siloed. So a lot of the grants and those sorts of things aren't very cleverly administered. Mm. Unless they find experts in the industry to do that, um, there isn't a lot of governance around it. Um, they probably could learn a thing or two about it because they're not experts in manufacturing. Um, it doesn't seem to be the collaboration with um, design institutions like the DIA. There seems to be more of a collaboration with bigger business owners that they get their feedback from because it seems to be the easy easy route to get information from. Yep. But that's up to organisations like DIA, for example, or um, uh, Australian Design Council, we're trying to work with as well collaboratively. That they represent more the business owners, and it's a privately sort of held um, institution with DIA sort of a non-for-profit. Um, but they have their, their purposes. Um, that, that they should be advocating or um, more transparency, I suppose. Mm, yeah. Can you see that? Yeah. So that's your landing page, okay? So they've just rebuilt it. So it'll have like news items and things like that that come up. So like DIA student crash course wrap up. That was in Melbourne, I think. Um, DIA accreditation, so all sorts of funky things that rock up there. And if you go into events, what you get is the events pop up with the date. Um, let me close some of these other ones that are open and refresh. There we go. So you can view the events. And buy tickets now. When you remember, you get discounted tickets as well. Okay. There's also jobs advertised as well. So for you, you can search in here for industrial design. Look, there's a job with cobalt. Yep. Intent. In <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to have a crack at that. Have a, a bit of an investigation. I don't know if you'd have to move to Melbourne, but you could you could um, you check that out. Um, I'm just being very industrial design specific. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, the um the podcast is mainly for industrial designers, so 
be as specific as you want. There's things to buy. So, you know, there's um, books, interior design books, decoration books, membership books as well. There's resources. Now, this is what I was talking about when I first started. So there's um, practice notes. Might ask for my membership number. But gives you fee guide, uh, fees and services guides, intellectual property. What happens when you get into disputes, HR management, all those sorts of things that you know you not, might need to drill into. Okay. So uh, Robert Gettys did a lot of work with that back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Put that in there. He's a, a, um, a fellow and in the Hall of Fame. He's a local Queenslander. Yeah, Rob, Rob's great. I had him yeah. in my final subject. He's a top fellow. Um, and he's mainly involved with um, sort of corporate governance as to speak these days as well and, you know, high-level sort of things. So you, you, your career sort of progresses. We're not as hip as we used to be. That's <laughs> old guys. Um, this, this talks about what the DIA is, voice of professional design, and then the, this this is really good, is the code of ethics, I love this. So it sort of talks to you about um, what that is, designer's responsibility of the community, you know, and we're talking about um, sustainability and to the client's responsibilities to other designers, you know, acting ethically. So, if, you know, you, you're gonna shortchange one of your mates in design, best to let him know and see if you can sort of collaborate and make amends. Yeah. Designer remuneration um, and publicity. Okay. So there's some of the things you can have a look at. Bit of a history there. Look at those old guys, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's... Uh, see you later. So that sort of shows you... Uh, 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 gives you a bit of a history and then you can do searches now it's not fully functional as yet because it's just been revised but it will be soon um keep an eye are there out any, are there any uh, events coming up in brisbane that people should look up yeah we're, we're, we're finalizing those tomorrow night so there's some industrial design specific ones so i'm going to try and get um innovation manufacturing crc um Dave to have a bit of a chat and a podcast and talk to um, everybody about what we've discussed. So it's it, it's titled just as a, a grabber as death and theft of manufacturing in Australia, but it's really about renewal and what we've been talking about in niche markets. Yep. So I'm talking about scale. Um, can you see this website that's just yep. come up? Uh, Australian manufacturing, advanced manufacturing. Yep. So. There's lots of little um, little uh, communities that are involved that you can um, subscribe to. There's a lot of overlap as well, and that's part of the DIA's job is to try and work collaboratively with these other organisations. CSIRO, I've reached out with in Queensland to try and get um, a look at the site out at Kenmore, Bullenvale Way as well, because they specialise in a lot of robotics. So they've got like a little um, paddock there where they test robots and different surfaces and things like that. I think QT are involved with it as well. Um, 
from a, a, a plastics reduction and reuse perspective, um, there's the Griffith University going to try and collaborate or get them to collaborate with RMIT and potentially the University of New South Wales and, and be the conduit and assist through kindness with the DIA because we're non for, non for profit, you know what I mean, and some of our members. So there's those sorts of things to look out for. Um, you know, uh, there's the, if you're interested in defence in Queensland, because there's a fair few defence projects, like um, you can look at Aiden, which is an association of defence industry networks. Okay, so there's lots of different disparate uh, manufacturing-based um, organisations that you can get involved with, um, and not, but not to mention, or or uh, is like projects, significant projects that the government led. So they could be like, for instance, the Olympics. You know, look for bids on streetscape and those sorts of things. Right? So, um, did you come to? Um, David Shaw's practice over in Wollongabba last year with no, IP. I think one of the lecturers. Oh, there, David Shaw, the um from from um Street and Garden. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, like, I um I'm in contact with him, but but I haven't yeah. died to go to the open day now. So like he's been a long member of the DIA and won um a some sort of a recommendation last year. Dot dash with wayfinding, those sorts of um, companies employ industrial designers, which is sort of that street furniture, which sort of moves into like landscape architecture and architecture built environment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there's those sorts of things to look out for as well. Mm. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll stop sharing now. Okay. Uh, stop sharing. So the floor is yours. Thanks for that. No, yeah, well, yeah. I think it's definitely good if some more young designers get into the DIA. And yeah, yeah. Getting, even just from a networking perspective, the events would be very good for that kind of like explore some of the design consultancies. Like I run mine part time now. Um, I've I've rented my studio space out to a lawyer at the moment um, because the Prodex um, uh, team sort of wanted me to come and work for them and help consult in that MPD space. And there's a bit of software development which is. What I'm sort of interested in as well from um, having rolled out electronic security products with software mm. um, from that experience there. Um, so uh, um, have a look at websites of, you know, of, of, of uh, industrial designers in the area and look and see what they're doing, get a bit of a feel, reach out to them. Yep. Like um, I've got some projects that sort of sit in the background after hours that I can sort of feed out. I've had I've run it full time and had full time employees, but it's sort of set to how the market is. So as the Australian dollar is so closely aligned to the, uh, the US dollar, unless it drops significantly, we don't see a lot of projects come in. But there are consultancies in um, Australia that specialise um, in um, you know US um, uh, corporate corporate design. So I was lucky enough to be involved with that out of out of Sydney with um, Design Resource back in the day, which was Energizer and Veriphone, FBOS machines, and there was 
an arm that specialised in rail um, concepts that competed with the likes of Bombardier, which is a big French organisation. Mm. So you, you can work on projects like that, rail projects. I think there's a couple of guys that are working for that big international conglomeration. What you'll probably find in the future is um, government um, investment will go from the larger consultancies that tend to be international consultancies and aim to build up the SME consultancies again, the smaller consultancies, so they get a more, more diverse and collaborative and enriching environment where the money collected from local taxpayers goes back into the local economy. Mm. It's not going into larger um, uh, international consultancies bank accounts. I, I think that's something to look forward to, and we're, mm. we're we're definitely predicating that with the DIA and trying to push that. So, um, yeah. So, so be positive. <laughs> that's all I can say. But you you're going to have to be resilient in these times. Yeah. Okay. So and and you've got to remember the economy's cyclic. Okay. So I, I know a few designers that have moved into, you know, being um, medicos. You know, they'd, they'd like work on medical products and moved into nursing, or they've moved from being industrial designers and teaching industrial design at university, or they've decided I, I like the art side of stuff. I'm going to teach um, art and design at mm. school, or or they go back to university and become academics. Mm. Do you know? So that's 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 move. Yeah, so you just got to find your niche and, and have fun. Mm, exactly. As far as education, what skills do you see university students leaving university missing the most? Oh, look, the practicality of putting together a design, mm. most certainly a manufactured product, that's definitely slipped big time. Mm. So you spend a lot of your time training uh, graduates of today to do that. And I think you've yeah. experienced that yourself where there's that expectation to know things. And with um, you know, your more funky um, vertical market orientated manufacturers that are left in Australia in the microphone realm and the mixer realm, I won't, can't give you their names, they won't, they, they probably won't take on graduates. That, that They're more likely to take on people that have got experience. Yeah. To gain the experience, you've got to work for fabricators, you've got to work for injection molders, you've got to work for small consultants, excuse Mm. Um, or gain your own experience from developing your own products yeah. if you can you know what I mean mm. so or collaborate with startups be wary of startups so <laughs> you go always ensure that you get paid for the work that you're going to do yeah it's all right for yourself but for other people please ensure that you mm. get paid for it, right? so yeah. that's that's my only takeaway for tonight okay <laughs> Uh, to add to that, what changes to university degrees do you believe would benefit the uh, prospect graduates of the future? Oh, look, most definitely understanding um, how to how to develop a usable product, um, understanding a bit more about one-night element analysis and some of the engineering required to get simple products through. Mm. Um, that would be a great Great sort of help. So a bit more sort of engineering, a bit more of an engineering perspective. I know the big, big catch cry these days is ideation and everybody needs to design. And you see, um, you know, at big international accounting firms say, you know, we we teach design, and realistically, they've done a two-day course on 
So yeah. there's a big difference between what some spruik is offering in two days to which would for us as professionals only have been through the reason we use for CPD perspective continuous um, uh, uh, continuous uh, you know um, improvements in our own um, knowledge uh, that that they sort of spruik it and use it as a bit of a catch cry and it sort of diminishes and waters down the true designers um, role in society. Mm -hmm. So um, you know it's a bit like me um, going and spruiking um, you know uh, unethically that you know I could you know um, introduce governance to to big corporations outside of design. Or product design development. That's not the case at all. It's specific to new product development. Yeah. But I think people take a lot of liberties these days. Money does funny things to people. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's been the, the cause of a lot of issues um, over the ages, and that'll never change. So yeah. So it's, um you know, as long as you act ethically, you um you you do what you say you're going to do and show that you're trying to 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 develop skills in order to deliver what you say you're going to deliver mm. you know I, I think you can get around that and okay. most most australian um employees are big hearted enough to understand that mm. i don't know about overseas yeah um but i you know um most australian employees would would definitely be looking at at a graduate as you know a potential long-term employee mm. so um investment for the long term yeah look i i think i think if if you can value add and show that that you know you want to be part of that business and you want to contribute to that business and you're passionate about that business employers can see that in you and they'll be willing to make amends um a lot of 3d design is at the moment done in solidworks i know that you guys Tend to use fusion, which isn't um, what I'd call a traditional parametric modelling uh, tool. Um, but I mean, does it matter? Who knows? From a collaboration perspective, most certainly um, BIM technology is going to be a big one. So in construction, you're able to collaborate and time manage, project manage, and see things from a building perspective from piping through the air conditioning through the cladding through the structural through the um, interior design you're able to see all sorts of different clashes and things that brings it up in 3d it's all cloud based of course because it takes a lot of computational power but those sorts of um, web-based softwares are definitely going to re revolutionize design mm. from a collaborative perspective Yep. You might be working with other industrial designers, or you might be in Australia. Normally, you might work with an industrial designer, an electrical engineer, and a mechanical engineer. You know what I mean? So it's a cross-functional sort of a team. Yep. Um, and a manufacturing engineer, if you're lucky. Yeah, that that that's still probably the way to go. Moving but back I, to your professional life, yep. what lessons have you learned along the way, and what would you what would you possibly think would benefit other designers out there? 
would suggest back yourself. Um, know your strengths and weaknesses. Not necessarily give them away, but just be sort of honest with what you can deliver. Mm. So what you promise you can deliver, deliver. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you make mistakes, own up to it. Um, own it because you learn from mistakes. Mm. Okay. And then that prompts more investigation. Do you know what I mean? So if you've got an inquiring mind, of course you're going to make mistakes. There's no problems with it. Mm. Um, mitigating the risk of your mistakes as a junior designer is really your manager's role. So it's really her or his or you know, um, whoever's um, responsibility so um, to, to coordinate the effect. Mm. So um, and as you progress your way up the food chain, you know, you, you, you'll start to um, take responsibility because you have those experiences. Mm. But don't be afraid to make mistakes. Back yourself um, and enjoy what you're doing because when you first start off, um, it's so much fun. There's mm. so much learning, you know what I mean? So much experimentation. It's just like, wow. You've opened up this big treasure box of things that you can do and possibilities. As you start to get to my age, it's more about governance and trying to um, mitigate risk yeah. in your career, you know what I mean? Mm. So that you know there aren't big expensive mistakes made. So you have intergenerational businesses that keep going. They don't mm. fold because of a costly mistake. Yeah. But you know, it's it's the boss's job to to protect you and create that a creative environment for you mm. in order for you to experiment. Do you think that uh, remote working is getting a getting a long term job as a remote industrial designer is possible, or do you think there's always going to be some aspects where you have to be able to come in for some days of the week? Yeah, look, I I, I love to see people face to face, mm. but yeah, look, people do it. They 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 do it remotely. So um, yeah, who knows? Okay. Yeah, in the future, um, and of course you 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 can fly. To meet people fairly quickly, but whether that'll be something that's sustained long term, I, I don't know. With the price of fuel, mm. um, maybe we have electric planes. I don't know. It's, <laughs> maybe we sail. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who knows? Um, so uh, maybe it's an augmented reality meeting where you mm. sort of come in in three D. Well, yeah. Have you heard of you know you know Gravity Sketch, the three D visualization program? Yeah. Do you think that kind of thing could become a collaboration program where you work remotely but collaborate through that? Or do you think yeah. it will always be some element where you, you need to I be? Think, yeah. I think it's a I think it's a personal thing and you've got to start to think about um, people's cognitive abilities. Mm. So, you know, if they see clearly, if they wear glasses, they wear a hearing aid, you know, um, how coordinated they are with their hands and how dexterous they are with their fingers, how quickly they're able to cognitively use the system. Most definitely from, from my experience, from an immersive perspective, yeah, I could. Mm. But from other people's perspective, you've got to be um, cognizant of people that you know might not have um, perfect hearing or perfect eyesight. Who knows, in the future, you may be able to augment smells and mm. tastes, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. That's exciting, isn't it? Uh, and then, yeah, it becomes totally immersive. Mm. How dangerous is that, though, in the environment that you sit? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know I notice a lot of pedestrians try and blank out noise, and I see a lot of near vehicle accidents with scooters and things like that. Mm. Is, this, is it the scooter person's responsibility or the pedestrian's responsibility from not paying attention? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some of the people I see on phones and then step out onto roadways as well, or people looking down screens in vehicles, um, you've just got to be sort of ethical enough to be able to design through the whole system and understand, mm. you know, what the implications are of your design. Yeah. If you just know what wrap, I mean. Just to wrap up, what couple, do you have a couple of recommendations you would give to a designer just leaving university, post-grad like myself? I have a lot of colleagues who are in that kind of situation. What advice would you give to them on how they can make themselves more employable um, so that they can get the job that they're looking for out of university? Be persistent. Keep knocking on doors. Keep attending events. Get involved with the DIA. Um, get involved with uh, hubs and startups and things like that. And uh, make your own luck. There's no such thing as luck. You've got to get out there and get amongst it. Mm, okay. So, and then make sure you're sort of presentable, you're a nice person, and you you will be anyway because you've got through university. You've got a reasonable sort of uh, a, a presentation that you can give them, and a quick spiel of you know how you think that you can um, contribute to that company. Mm. So just you know think about how you can sell yourself. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. Oh, that's yeah. a pleasure. Yeah, I'll, I'll see, see you soon at another event. I'll see you at a DIA event. Uh, Thanks. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Right. Take care. I'll see you later. You too. Bye-bye.